Redfield Arts Audio presents The Midnight Matinee. Fear? You have the sound of fear. The sound of loss. I think not. It is seldom that ordinary people like John and myself secure ancestral halls for the summer. A colonial mansion, once owned by a very old and respected family. I would say a haunted house and reach the height of romantic felicity, but that would be asking too much of fate. You, sir, what do you want? You will excuse me, but I could not help overhearing the questions which you put to the salesman just now. I think that I could be of assistance to you. How could you know anything of the matter? My name is Sherlock Holmes, and it is my business to know what other people don't know. You know nothing about it. Excuse me. I know everything of it. Where to? House of Usher? Very well. It's your funeral. Climb aboard, friend. (laughs) So, you made a man into a chicken tonight, did you? (laughs) Can you do it? Do what? Exactly. Can you keep me alive? Stop death! Hypnotize a man at the point of death and keep him alive. The Midnight Matinee on the Redfield Arts Audio Podcast. Brought to you by Redfield Arts Audio. Redfield Arts Audio presents Mark Wheatley's Frankenstein Mobster. The most amazing story of crime ever told. Starring Daniel Roebuck. You, Twitch Randall, and Hyde. He did it right here. You murdered me. Debbie Rashawn. My name is Terry Todd. Detective Terry Todd. My father was a good man. A good cop. And Mark Redfield. That's my. We don't sell talismans in the dead end, no matter what they'll pay. We don't want any monsters to reap talisman benefits, now do we, sir? Monstro City, where monsters live and mobsters rule. Gentlemen, what you see before you, this sleeping giant swathed in bandages that I have named Frankie, what your eyes see are... Four dead men. What the hell? A mad scientist created a better mobster. The Frankenstein mobster. (laughs) Adapted from the graphic novel written and illustrated by Mark Wheatley. You got the back window out, Daddy! Get down, Yasmini. They can't still shooting at us. I, I can't see who who is that hanging out the cop car window? One of him. And better than twenty oh. of us. It seems I'm neither a monster or mobster. Stop! He helped Jerry! See this? Is that what I think it is? Talisman? I can get you one. I got sauce. But they're illegal. They... It's a good luck charm. And the illegal good luck charm. Cars. How the hell did you get tipped off about this? Are you okay? I 
think so. Can you run? I think so. Run! Original music score and sound design by Jennifer Rouse. Adapted, written, and directed by Mark Redfield. And now, the Poe House Hauntings. We all have our pet projects, but we're talking about progress here. Much needed progress on the west side of town. The Department of Planning has made this clear to your group, the, the Poe Society, is it, that we must proceed with the demolition of the rotten buildings on Amity Street without further delay and on schedule. This public housing project is already It's a little abundant. place, a small building. Surely the city can make an exception and spare it from the wrecking ball. Where's Mr. Plunk from the Plunk Department of Planning? I thought he was going to be you here. You must understand, Miss Sullivan, and please relay this to the other members of the Poe Society. We deeply sympathize. Mm. And the mayor has actually, he actually happens to be an admirer of Edgar Allan Poe. Why, why he said to me just this morning that he had to uh, memorize a poem about the talking raven in school as a boy. But we, the mayor have made commitments, signed contracts, and have spent a great deal of money on this new project, and those buildings on Amity Street must come down. Come down they must, and they are set for demolition this week. It's not like we're talking about a great American writer like Mark Twain or... Uh, but all we need um, is a little more time. I mean, surely a few days to stop the destruction of a house of such historic significance as the house where Edgar Allan Poe once lived. Surely just a few days. Why, why didn't you come to us sooner, Miss Sullivan? This public housing project's been in the works for some time now. Um, now, well, you heard about this called? from the article in the Sun Papers. We've been back trying to get a meeting with the city since then, and everybody's always out or on some vacation. And if it wasn't for Mr. Smith here twisting everybody's arm, hmm. twisting well, everybody's really arm, we might not have gotten any meeting until the whole block and the Poe House was long torn down. Mr. Smith, you were about to say something a moment ago about Mr. Plunk. London. 
Jack London. That's the fella. Yes, he's away this week. Unfortunately, he's been called... Well, that's another thing I wanted to understand. But so even an American? What's that, Mr. Blocker? I understood that although you've long suspected that Poe lived in that house, you, I, I mean the Poe Society, didn't have any proof. Well, since we read this story in the newspaper last summer that you were planning on tearing down all the houses in the Poppleton neighborhood, we went to the city archives... And the Maryland Historical Society... And the Maryland Historical Society, and we have proof. Your office has had the proof that Poe lived there with his family. We all have our pet projects, but our hands are tied, Miss Sullivan. The houses, the whole block on Amity Street is set for demolition this week. Did you say that Mr. Plunk is on vacation, Mr. Smith? How many vacations can a man... Look, can we just meet with the mayor himself? Well, I appreciate your passion, Miss Sullivan, but as a matter of fact, I'm late now for a meeting with Mayor Jackson. Must skedaddle, but I'll pass along to the mayor that we had a really invigorating meeting. This public housing project has been something of a passion with him, you know. Good day to you, Miss Sullivan. Good day to you, Mr. Anderson. Stella! Stella! Slow down! And calm down. No use letting that Irish temper of yours get the best of you. We'll figure something out. Those nitwits, I tell you, Ralphie, I could scream and punch their fat faces in. Calm down. So could I. And I'd hold that idiot down for you, the the one that said, was Poe even an American? I'm sorry, Ralph, but this really gets me going. It makes my blood boil. We are so close. I thought we had it all lined up for the city to spare the demolition of the house, and then give us the time we need to make some kind of deal to care for it. I mean... Make it available for people to visit. Make it a museum or something. Well, we've done everything we can. Everybody. All of us. This galvanized the group. Sullivan! I don't know what to say. We were so Well, I'm not giving up. I'll think of something. Hey, isn't that that guy Smith from the Department of Planning? Yeah, what's he want? Miss Sullivan, I'm glad I caught up with you. Listen, I apologize for not being able to pass this along in there, but there's still some details that need to be worked out. And it's important not to ruffle any feathers at this point, if you understand my meaning. Sure, Mr. Smith. I mean, what, what did you want to say? Well, we have every intention to incorporate the house into the new housing project that you've determined Edgar Allan Poe lived in. In fact, I've seen the new architect's drawings, and he's changed his plans significantly. In fact, the new building that will surround your Poe house, architecturally, it mimics the old house's style. It blends Perfectly, I think. Really? But there's a catch, isn't there? Yeah, there's always a catch. No, not really. Just some shenanigans that have to get work out to keep the mayor's detractors of this whole project happy. Politics as usual, I'm afraid. It seems that some people do not like the idea of subsidizing housing for the poor unless they're white. But you're saying that the Poe House will be saved from demolition this week. Is that what you're saying? Yes. In fact, the new complex of houses will be called the Poe Homes. I saw it on the blueprints. Well, so what's the problem? I can't get into that right now. I've got to get back inside. But if you want to save the Poe House, do this one thing, and I promise that by Friday I will have the mayor fully on board with this plan. I promise. Depends. What do we have to do? Mr. Smith, I promise, and so does Ralphie. What do we need to do? Put a member of your group outside of the house all this week while the demolition crew is tearing the block apart. Stand guard, keep watch as it were. Sound crazy? But they can also help stop anybody from vandalizing or trespassing and causing any damage. The point is, although we've got the city to keep the Poe House and not tear it down, they won't put a nickel into it if any more damage that has already occurred. Can you do that? 
Not a problem whatsoever, Mr. Smith. We can easily do that. We'll stand guard. Great. At least until Friday. The deadline and all final approvals get signed this Friday, just three days from now. Take care, Miss Sullivan, and I'll be in touch. Okay, smarty pants. Now, who in the group can spend the week hanging out in a neighborhood that's being torn down and watch a nearly 100-year-old house that for three days straight has no electricity and no toilet? I'll figure it out, Ralph. We haven't come this far to give up now. My name is John Sullivan. I thought I'd step in about now and set a couple of things straight. This did happen to me, after all, and I wouldn't want you to hear it from anybody else. Especially somebody who wasn't there. Rumors. Everybody likes to yap about crap they don't know anything about. Experts on bullcrap, says I. Somebody who'd make stuff up and exaggerate just for the sake of spinning a yarn. Not that I have any proof of anything that I'm going to tell you about that week and about that awful night in particular during the fall of 38. And you know what? I don't really care if you believe me or not. A lot of years have gone by since that night. A lot of folks are dead now. So maybe I'll change some names around and all that. But even if Poe's house was demolished, blown to smithereens that night, it wouldn't matter in the end. Why? Because it wasn't his work that was ever in danger of disappearing. It was a place he lived, that's all. It's a whole lot more serious when you have to worry about an author's work being lost forever. Nobody reading it. Fascists who don't want you to read something. And yeah, not too long after this, I was in the army and helped kick Hitler's ass, the original book burner, but I'm, I'm getting off point. So anyway, I wasn't doing much with my life at the time of this story. I had some, um, well, I had some ups and downs and was temporarily out of work. Uh, what is it you say nowadays? Um, yeah, I was, I was in between. Oh, hell, I had a little trouble with liquor and I got fired from my job at the Nyborg Printing Company. But anyway, I wasn't doing too much and had some time to kill. I'd been off the booze for a few months. No easy feat, mind you. I took some real willpower, lots of coffee and cigarettes, when I got a call from my sister Stella to come downtown and meet her for lunch. Now, my sister Stella, she's a go-getter and a fightin' Irish if ever there was one. She was smart, smart as a whip, loved books, was reading all the time. I like to read as much as the next fella, I guess, but uh, I don't make a religion out of it like Sister Stella did. Her uh, little house in Hamilton was like a library now that I remember it. Books, floor to ceiling. I think she even had some poetry published on and off throughout her life. She was a school teacher over at Glenmount Elementary. Taught the little nose pickers until she retired around 60 or 61 or so. Anyway, she helped me a little during my trouble when I got fired and 
here she was, and I owed her a favor, a big favor. Who was I to say no to family? Am I right? You know I'm right. It turned out to be a pretty crackpot, cockeyed idea of a favor, but like I said, I had some time on my hands. So I met her at a little lunch counter over on the west side at Reed's Drugstore on Howard and Lexington. Stella, have I ever met your brother? No, you'd remember Johnny if you had. If you don't mind me asking, how come he's got the time to do this? He independently wealthy, so to speak? <laughs> no, far from it. Just the, oh, here he comes, better late than never. Hi, Johnny-o. Hey, sis, what do you say, what do you know? John Sullivan, meet Ralph Henderson. Ralph, my Good brother Good to know John. you, Ralphie. Likewise. Stella got you wrapped up into her little caper, too? Slow down, Johnny-o. <laughs> well, did you explain everything, John? Over the phone, but there is something I didn't mention. Are we eating? Sure, whatever you like. Really? Let's see. What looks good? What didn't you mention? Anything. Anything on the uh, menu. Oh, wait. Yeah, what what I did could you eat. forget to tell Waitress. me? Waitress. Hiya, folks. What can I get you? I don't have a car anymore. Stella, are you, what do you want? Nothing for me. Suddenly. What do you mean you don't have a car anymore? I'll have a... a John, time, you ready? Hocked it for rent. Rent? You got egg salad today? Sure, rent. And if I'm going to stay out all night, I'll need a car. What about you, Ralphie? What? What Sorry. can I get you, hon? Hamburger sandwich and a cup of coffee, Sure thanks. thing. Up in the field. So, that's settled. I'll use Ralphie's car. And So, what's the whole Wait thing about? Wait a minute. I missed something. What about my car? What are you so doing? So, baby sister filled me in on the details. And by the time lunch was over, even Ralphie wasn't so worried about his car being in the hands of a complete stranger. But felt he was contributing to the cause. And I had agreed to be security guard for an old dilapidated house that Edgar Allan Poe once lived in. Then the pay was nil, but Stella had promised to feed me dinner every night when I came by to pick up Ralph's car. And remember, I was paying back a great favor she had done for me. Poe began his writing career in that house. It's true. So you know, Baltimore really is more to Poe than just the place where he died. I can't thank you enough, Johnny. Well, I owe you. Don't mention it. Wasn't he born here? Nah, he was born in Boston. Have you ever read any of his stories? To tell you the truth, no. I mean, The Raven, sure. Here. What's this? Just a little something to help you pass the next three Poe's nights. tales of mystery and imagination. Well, <laughs> I thought it might be a little more substantial than your usual diet of Shadow and Doc Savage magazines that you read when you do read anything other than the paper. Oh, I love the Shadow. Mm, thanks, sis. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow knows. <laughs> this is perfect for sitting in a dark neighborhood all night, reading some weird horror stuff. That's good thinking, guaranteed to keep me up all night. Oh, you're a big boy, Johnny-o. You're not afraid of having a little nightmare, are you? Or that the ghosts will get you? Ghosts. She said it. And I wonder now if she somehow planted the idea in my head that day. Nah. Anyway, I was in. Couldn't refuse such a cockamamie proposal from baby sister and a few free meals, so I arranged to pick up Ralphie's car, and I drove over to Amity Street to look at the house in daylight. 
wanted to get the lay of the land, as I had never been in the neighborhood before, and I didn't want to discover everything for the first time in the dead of night. I arrived from the Saratoga Street side and was immediately directed to detour around the block as they had an enormous crane and wrecking ball in place, all set to wipe out that first house on the corner of Saratoga and Amity. The house where Edgar Allan Poe once lived was at the other end of the block, so I drove around to get a good look-see. So, that was it. That's the Poe house. It didn't look like much. Not what I expected at all. I got out of the car to get a good look and walk around. It's a two-story, unassuming brick building. Tiny, really small. Maybe people really were smaller back then. There was a window on the tin roof, a window to an attic or a garret or something, a basement window. Better keep an eye on that and check to see if there were others, because a vagrant could easily enter the building from those. But the window was fastened tight and the glass was intact. In fact, all the windows had glass in them and looked in pretty good shape. Small front door, offset to the left with a window, and two more windows on the second floor. As I stood there looking at the building, I then realized that it had a twin. It was a duplex, really. And although there was some work and obvious additions were done, the house on the left was identical to Poe's house and attached to it. I guess they were going to have to save them both from the wrecking ball, but I wasn't sure. From Poe's house and its twin, stretching the whole block to the left toward Saratoga Street, were a series of houses, each different and built somewhere over the last hundred years or so. It was obvious that Poe's house, the one my sister and her group so desperately wanted to save, was the oldest on the entire street. Across the street was the same mishmash of brick houses, three-story buildings, squat little monstrosities, all piled up on one another, all boarded up and set for either demolition or fixing up, I didn't know which at the time. My attention was on number three Amity Street, Poe's house. I walked toward the right side where a large wooden fence was and pushed a couple of boards out of the way to see what I could see. The entire side of the house looked secure as there wasn't a single opening anywhere, not a window or a door. Round back, piled with trash in the small yard, I could see the back door of the house and a small window that looked into a kind of alcove. But with all the lumber and rubble and trash, I couldn't really tell if there was a window to worry about. The leaves were still pretty much on the trees, though a lot of the red and gold ones had fallen on the ground already. Hey, can I help you, buddy? Oh, uh, hey, uh, you the uh, top man around here? You're trespassing, you know. Well, I just uh, wanted to see this old place before you boys tear it down. What's special about it? Oh, friends tell me it's where Edgar Allan Poe lived almost uh, 100 oh, years ago. That uh, opium addict, huh? <laughs> well, my friends might argue with you about that. Only a crazy man could write them kind of stories. Don't do for that sort of thing myself. Say, you ain't got a cigarette, do you? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, sure do, friend, here. So, uh... When do you think they'll tear it down? Thanks. Uh, Bill Upton is the name. John. John Sullivan. So I see they started knocking the buildings down at the end of the block. Think they'll get to this one by uh, Friday? That's what's on the schedule. Huh. You're not the owner, are you? Oh, no, 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 no. I just promised these friends of mine I'd keep an eye on it. Make sure no tramps or bums burn oh. it down. 
Seems like the whole block is abandoned. It is now. Last family moved out two days ago. Just two days ago? Sure. Your friends want to keep this house because Poe lived here? Yeah, that's the idea. Well, good luck to him. Hey, what'd you say your name is? John. John Sullivan. Well, Mr. Sullivan, I wouldn't recommend spending the night here in any of these buildings on account of the rats. Oh? But uh, if you sleep in your car and stay on the street, park park it more on the corner. Just be sure to get off the street before 7 a.m. And when the crew gets here, the dump trucks full of rubble will head out in that direction. Good advice. Thanks, Mr. Upton. Otherwise, uh, you don't think anybody's going to mind me on the street hmm. overnight, do you? Who's going to know? Nobody living on this block anymore. And by Wednesday, when we've knocked enough of these houses down, the rats aren't even going to stay around. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for the cigarette, pal. Well, the first night started off rather uneventful. I sat in the car, parked on the corner of Amity and Lexington, and had the book of Poe with me that Stella gave me. It was raining, and that made it colder than I expected. I made a mental note to bring a little something to keep me warm. A thermos of coffee or maybe something a little stronger. It was about four o'clock in the morning and I, I knew what time it was because not only did I borrow Ralphie's car for this mission, I borrowed a watch too. I didn't own one. Hocked it some time ago. Anyway, it was about four in the morning. The rain, it was steady and I was wide awake and had read a clutch of Poe short stories. That gruesome hop frog who burned all those fat people to death and his king. That guy who stabbed out the cat's eye and hung the poor thing. It was a parade of gruesome horrors that night, worse than a spook house show or a waxworks display, and yet I couldn't stop reading. As much as I wanted a cup of coffee or a pull of whiskey to warm me up, and I knew whiskey was out of the question. I'd been dry for a little while, and I was damn proud of that. But as much as I was shivering from the cold night, I was kind of liking the shivers from Poe's page-turning nightmares. I was in the middle of reading The Telltale Heart. If you still think me mad, you will think me no longer when I describe the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body. The night waned, and I worked hastily, but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head and the arms and the legs. <laughs> yeah, this guy was set for the booby hatch. I then took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all between the scantlings. I then replaced the board so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his would have detected anything wrong. There was nothing to wash out, no stain of any kind, no blood spot whatever. I had been too wary for that. A tub had caught all. Ha ha! When I had made an end of these labors, it was four o'clock, still dark as midnight. And as the bell sounded the hour, there came a knocking at first I wasn't sure if I had heard it. Maybe it was a cat or some piece of metal from one of the demolished houses just down the block. I got out of the car and listened hard. It sort of started to gnaw at me. Then a really bad thought crossed my mind while I stood there out in the rain on Amity Street. 
standing in front of the house as a man whose stories that I was just reading that were just making my skin crawl. But now, this new unimaginable thought was making my skin crawl. A goose bump made it worse. What if... What if it was somebody, a tramp or a bum, trapped under the rubble? And that's whose scream I heard. You know, some poor son of a... No, that was a woman. And that came from... It came from the pole house. I took the flashlight from the car. I walked across the street to the house. I wasn't sure what to do. I'm pretty sure. I'm certain it was a scream. And I'm pretty sure it came from the house. I went to the house, climbed the three wooden steps, and I don't have a key. Should I, should I break the door down? Is anybody there? Is anybody hurt? Hey! Is anybody here? I heard you. Are you okay? It's pitch black and the, the flashlight is pretty dim. I used up the batteries reading all night in the car. Damn it. Cold as hell in here. This isn't good. John. Well, like I said, my name's John Sullivan, and uh, I've tried to figure it out. I um, probably never will, but uh, I'd like to know who it was who murdered me that night in 38. Anyway, um, I'm still here in this house. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Not exactly lonely. Uh, the souls, the spirits of the houses that were demolished, they kept moving down the block until, well, quite a handful of us here. Uh, oh, what is called the Poe House and Museum. Turns out that the Poe Society, my sister, made, uh, made it open in 48, sometime after the war. And, um, oh, it's changed hands over the years. The city owned it for a while. A new group is involved. They keep doing repairs, upgrades, new coats of paint, photographs, and the guests, they, they keep coming. They've been coming over the decades, and... I've learned a lot about Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe, i got to tell you that, with all these tours every Saturday, and um, learned a lot about the world by the guests that uh, have shown up here. So I'm not exactly lonely. Yes, it would be nice one day to find out who killed me, but... Uh... Oh, uh, and this will rock you back on your heels. Try this on for size. I've never met him. Oh, no, never. He doesn't haunt this place. He didn't die here. 
I've learned a lot about him, like I said, but uh, no, he died somewhere across town in the hospital or something. And, uh, nope, he, uh, he has yet to show up here. Ain't that a kick in the head. I look forward to seeing you one day. Me and my friends here at the house. <laughs> so anyway, that's my story. And I'm uh, stuck in it. Or to it. How do you like that? All right. You take care of yourselves. Bye. The Midnight Matinee. The Poe House Hauntings. With Marianne Perry. Mike Moran. Eric Sapensky. B. Thomas Rinaldi and Mark Redfield Recorded at Drat Productions Audio Engineer Bill Dixon Original Music by Jennifer Rouse Written and Directed by Hawkins Weber Copyright Mark Redfield Studios 